Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and as usual, I have sitting next to me senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Heidi ho <laughs> Okay. That's a new one. Yeah. I like to bust out a new one once uh, in a while to keep you on your toes. All right, then. Uh, so let's see. Um, yeah, I got something special to start this one off. You know what's coming. We all know what's coming. Listen, it's listener mail. All right. Listener mail. You got it? You wow. happy now? Wow. Listener mail. Okay. That's, oh, all right. I'm just stunned. Yeah. I'm sure our listeners are too. Okay. This one comes from Scotty. Scotty says, I would like to know more about the internet Two project. There's a website, but not that much detail. Thank you. Thank you, Scotty, for that listener mail. I really appreciate it. That was um, – so we thought we'd talk about Internet 2. All right. Do you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I think maybe uh, I shouldn't have written it down as Internet T-O-O. Oh, I, so does this mean uh, I need to start? No. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny that you brought that up, Scotty, because this is one of these things that um, you know people hear about from time to time. 
but nobody ever really talks about it. It was supposed to be this big thing back in the in the mid nineties because everybody's talking about the imminent collapse of the internet. Right. And how it was all gonna blow up and uh how the educational users of the internet were all gonna go off and start their own thing called Internet Two. Yeah. And you guys uh, can keep this internet. We're gonna have our own <laughs> I'm taking my ball and going home. Yeah. So uh yeah, it didn't exactly work out that way, but there is still an internet too. Yeah, so there are a lot of misconceptions about it, uh, mainly because, again, as Chris pointed out, not very many people chat about it that much. So internet too, it's 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 two different things. First of all, if you're thinking like there's a super secret internet that exists below our current internet, that's not what internet two is. No, that's something else entirely. No, we, we can't talk about that. that. We can't. That's the dark net. We can't go into that. So anyway, the internet two, that's it's really a, a consortium. Yes. It's a group of universities, research institutes, corporations that have got had they've come together to create an environment wherein uh, these these different Organizations can utilize a network, a very high-speed network, for purposes of research and sharing knowledge, that kind of thing. So, sort of the the same thing that the original, you know, what the original intent of the internet was. You know, yeah. If you go way back, and there, there is, it was kind of from what I could tell in my research, um, there is kind of a second internet along the lines of the regular internet that they use. Yeah, they all have of. high speed fiber optic connections, but it's not a separate internet. Um it's, so it's they are an, they are dedicated tied. it's dedicated hardware is yeah. really what you're talking it, about. Yeah. But it is part of the internet as a whole. It's just that they're the only ones who have access to that connection. Yeah. They we're talking about very special routers. We're talking about special a special backbone, a fiber backbone for this yeah. this internet that stretches thirteen thousand five hundred miles if I'm remember correctly from my little sheet of facts. And um so did you do the uh, kilometer conversion? I on did that? not because I did it just before we came in here. Okay. So uh so I'm sorry to all of our friends in other nations. But we're talking about a United States centric thing anyway, That's really. True. That's so, true. so Internet too, the the idea here is that we they the these research organizations I mean let's let's take a quick step back into the uh, Wayback Machine and talk about the the origins of the Internet and uh, and networks in general. Uh-huh. If you go all the way back to ARPANET, you're talking about several research institutions uh, networking together and sending information from one massive computer to another. And the one of the ultimate goals here was being able to share knowledge at really really rapid speeds. And uh, so the internet for a long time, that's really what it was all about. It was mostly schools, universities, research organizations. That was, that used these, these lines in order to share information and, and open up databases so that, uh, places that had a really rich amount of information on a specific subject could share it with everybody instead of it just being centralized in one location. Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, the first time I used the internet, which was, uh, 19 and a half years ago now, um, you know, that, that's, you know, nobody had heard of the internet. I mean, people had heard of the internet, but, uh, you know, like if you went up to somebody on the street and said, Hey, you know, what kind of internet connection you have at home? They wouldn't have because they wouldn't have really known about it and what it was and what it was supposed to be for. But everybody at, in, you know, the college where I went would have email connections and, uh, you know, could use chat and, you know, basic, basic functions. Files, files uh, transfer in, protocols, in, that kind of thing. In two colors. Right. <laughs> yes, you Green get, and black. <laughs> we have all sorts of colors here. Uh, so yeah, the, 
that, that was the, the original kind of uh, purpose for the Internet. And then, of course, the Internet opened up to everybody. And then came the World Wide Web eventually, which, again, originated as sort of a project on this, this college university uh, environment. But once the web opened up to everybody and the Internet really opened up to everybody, suddenly you've got this, this great network, but it's being used for lots of different things, not just research and, and sending information or, or calculating large numbers. And if you wanted to do that kind of stuff, if you wanted to do the massive amounts of research or, or sending lots of information between one major group and another, uh, it meant competing for bandwidth with all these other applications that everybody else was using. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So suddenly this incredibly useful research tool and academic tool became less useful. Uh, not that it completely was, you know, useless. It still had a use. It just wasn't nearly as fast as it had been because now everybody was on it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of commercial traffic now, so, right. so know, that's of, getting in the way of all those other packets. Going back to the whole information superhighway name that we used to give the Internet, I don't know how many of our listeners actually remember that. Um, I do. But the information superhighway, think of it like that. Like uh, originally, the superhighway was allow only allowed traffic from 10% of the population on that highway. Woohoo. Uh, and it was wide eight lanes roads. wide. Exactly. There's no one in the way. You can go as fast as you want. There's nothing to worry about. And then the highway opens up for everyone. And suddenly you got traffic jams everywhere. That's essentially what we're talking about here. And that's, that's why everybody was talking about this in the mid nineties about how, uh, the internet was going to implode under the weight of all the traffic. Well, it's one of those things. Actually, I think the, uh, the information superhighway at that point was maybe four lanes wide. Right. Well, uh, but that's the thing. Uh, you know, people, you don't really see this, but as the internet grows in traffic, they're also adding on more lanes of super highway. Um, so I mean, it's, it's really grown to handle more traffic as time has worn on. It's just that, you know, there's infinitely more traffic going on. Yeah. It's just like in the real physical world. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so what's the solution? Well, the solution is to build a different set of roads. Yeah. Or just the universities. Um, back in 1996, October 1st, 1996, in Chicago, a group of 34 uh, universities. 41 45th Street. No, <laughs> right, I'm kidding. Exactly. I'm kidding. They had salmon for lunch. <laughs> no, 34 universities, uh, uh, representatives from 34 universities met in a Chicago hotel and they committed to this idea of forming an organization at that time called Internet 2. And the organization would also be dedicated to finding ways of dedicating specific resources to the academic research world and uh, academic and research, I should say, not right. just academic research. And uh, so that, that kind of set the ball in motion. It wasn't until 1997 that we started actually seeing corporations kind of join in to, on this and, uh, and provide the hardware that was going to be necessary. You know, you had to have grant money come in to fund it. Right. And you might say, well, what, how does this benefit the rest of us? I mean, I'm not, for instance, I haven't been in college in a long time. So how do I benefit from uh, this Internet 2 thing? Well, there are a lot of different ways we benefit. And one very simple one is that Internet 2, you can think of it as the, the way, the way Internet 2's website describes it. You can think of their network as being four to five years ahead of our current technology that we use on the Internet right now. And then in a nod to our, our uh, sister podcast, High Speed Stuff, I think of it sort of as a test track for the Internet. Right. So, uh, yeah, you can think of it like, well, 
So their technology is why, – why don't we have that technology in a more widespread, universal kind of, uh, of, of approach? Well, the reason is that this Internet 2 is being used as a, as a test track. You can't be sure that everything's going to work. In fact, most stuff isn't going to work the first time out. You're going to have to tweak it. And you're going to have to adjust it. And, and that's eventually the, the, the successes are going to trickle down into everything that we use. It's just going to take a few years. But the, the fact that this exists allows researchers to create new applications, new, uh, Coding. I mean, there's all sorts of things that they can do you, over this network that they couldn't do over the regular Internet. Yeah, and it's, you know, now that the Internet is such a big part of all of our lives, um, if they tried to, you know, throw the switch and convert everybody over to a new technology overnight, it's bound to take out a large section of the Internet worldwide. And that's, you know, that's the reason for needing to keep that in a separate test environment. But there are already some things that, uh, that we're seeing, you know, that have been developed from Internet 2 technology. I mean, they were pioneers in IPv6 technology, which is the, the newer version of the Internet protocol address. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, to accommodate the number of people on the Internet, you have to have, you know, everybody's got an address where your information is sent. And, uh, you know, there are so many people and only so many IP numbers that they can use. So they basically tacked on a couple of octets on the uh, the IP address. I mean, I'm oversimplifying here, but this is one of the things that they tried out on Internet, too, was, you know, will IPv6 work? And, uh, you know, now, gradually, it's sort of making its way over into the real world. Yeah, and you're, you know, we... We talk about the the speed of this network. You might be wondering how fast is it? Well, the backbone can support speeds of up to 100 gigabits per second. That's a little fast. That's amazingly lightning fast. If for a comparison, I, w- I looked up uh, Verizon's FiOS service. Oh yes, yes. Uh, which comes in several different tiers. Right. Uh, the first one, I believe, is 15 megabits per second. Mm. That's megabits as opposed to gigabits. Right. So that's an or you know. We're talking about orders of magnitude here. Yes. Uh, and the fastest that I saw, which may not be Verizon's fastest because I just did this very quickly, was 50 megabits per second, hmm. which is still a fra- tiny that, fraction. That's of a half of right. one gigabit. Now, now, the 100 gigabits per second, we're talking about – that's the backbone. That's just the information being able to travel across the backbone of this network. The interfaces that people are actually using do not go that fast, um, although they're trying to support – Interfaces that would support go up to you know, around 40 gigabits per second right now, as I recall, mm-hmm. um, which is again lightning fast. And you may say, well, why do they need speeds that high? Well, some of the applications they're using involve enormous numbers and calculations. For example, the Large Hadron Collider, when it finally goes online, assuming it ever does, uh, that data is going to be shared with scientists from around the world, and it's not just going to be the people who are at the CERN facility, uh, there are going to be other laboratories that are going to use this information to really take a look at what makes our universe tick. So we're talking about big, big questions here, which coincidentally require big, big numbers <laughs> when you're when you're crunching the data. Yep. And so all of that information that's coming out is going to take up huge amounts of, of bandwidth. And so without a dedicated network, uh, it would take ages for that information to get to where it's going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing they work on on uh, Internet, too, is middleware. 
Uh, they yes. have a middleware initiative and that, uh, it's not very sexy, I gotta admit. Um, basically it's a, it's a type of software, but it negotiates connections. I mean, it involves, um, things like, uh, authentication, identification, security, um, directories. It's the kind of thing that will help you, uh, you know, get one packet to the other end of the network and back, uh, you know, more smoothly and, and, uh, securely than it would necessarily uh, using a uh, less adept technology. Sure. And eventually we can hope to see this sort of network capability extend to our internet. Uh, again, when we're talking about why isn't our internet as fast as theirs, <laughs> there don't not to make an us versus them sort of thing, but for internet too, you got to remember this is going to some very specific schools and some research organizations and that's about it. So, the network does not have to be as broad as it would have to be for consumers. True. It doesn't have to stretch into various neighborhoods. It's going to very specific locations. So when you're laying the fiber, you don't have to lay it everywhere like you would with a more widespread uh, approach. So, right. you know, to, to try and develop that for an entire nation would be very expensive. Mm -hmm. And, and that's another thing is that there's a lot of money that's going into this project and it's being raised by various foundations, organizations, donations. Some of the companies are donating time and, and, uh, uh, resources to this. So it's not like a more widespread nationwide fiber network is going to just pop up out of nowhere. Right. Right. And the, uh, the Internet, too, is a nonprofit organization, too. So right. it's, uh, you know, completely dedicated to research and, you know, Internet research. So uh, now, Grant, this hasn't stopped people from trying to use it to do naughty things. Oh, I read a report about uh, students at various universities who had created a site on Internet, too, that or they didn't create it. They were they were using a site that was a file sharing site uh-huh. meant to share research files, that sort of thing, to distribute videos and music and things of that nature. So again, you know, once again, you, you've got the fast network access there. Someone's going to use it to download a movie. And uh, of course, at that speed, you can get a high definition film in a couple of minutes. It's, yeah. it's not the same thing as if you were Dialing up over, you know, Kazaa or something. Right. So, yeah, the, uh, imagine if it takes you a couple of hours to download a film, whether you're doing so legitimately or otherwise, it'll only take you a, a minute or two, maybe, using this connection. I can see why some people were tempted to do that, although, you know, it's not what it was intended for. No, no, not at all. But it happens. <laughs> That's about all I've got. Oh, good. Because I'm done too. Oh, good. But that, of course, brings us to uh oh, listener mail. Seriously. Yes, and this listener mail comes from JS, aka Mac Daddy. <clears throat> Chris and Jonathan, I have listened to every one of your podcasts, which get me through the daily monotony of commuting to and from work. I have an English literature degree, but gravitate to all things tech. I heard your challenge for a Spencerian sonnet, so I felt compelled to give one a whirl. I am an avid Mac user, but use Windows XP Pro at work. I do love my Macs. My MacBook, my wife's MacBook, and my daughter's iMac all work great with a virtual Windows machine on them. 
But I can assure you that Microsoft isn't the monster that most Mac freaks make them out to be. I'd be lost without Microsoft Office for both Mac and Windows. And so here's the sonnet. The war between the giants. Waging a war of apples and windows. Who'll win their dumb be-all and end-all brawl? Competing for markets, frustration grows. The more you see and hear, the more you stall. The world was made for Windows, after all. But Macs are rising, gaining every day. For Apple needs no quarter, after all. We buy more iPods and iPhones today. For tomorrow, Apples won't go away, but find a niche in every market share. And soon will soon will their trails converge, as you say, so they both will operate in the air. Both move along the same old dusty road, fighting so hard for their treasure load. Thanks, JS. That's awesome. <laughs> the Apples versus uh, Microsoft uh, in, in poetic form. Yep, I liked it. I liked it very much. And I agree. Uh, you know, Microsoft Office for Mac is... I think it's good. I think it's a fantastic product. Well, there you go. So it's got the endorsement from Mr. Paulette. I didn't endorse anything. I just said I liked it. Uh huh. Yeah. So uh, send those checks yeah. to How Stuff Works. Exactly. Care of Jonathan Strickland. Hey, I'm just. I don't want you to get overwhelmed by mail. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So this is a, one of several sonnets that have been sent in. We are going to eventually get through all of them. I think it's amazing that our listeners have done this, and thank you all. Thank you, JS, for sending this one. And if any of you have any comments, questions, epic poems, uh, I don't know, um, jokes, you could write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Just don't throw us any tech support issues right. because you're not right. likely to get the help you need at the speed with which you need it. Yes, no tech support requests, please, because chances are we have no idea what the heck went wrong with your iPod. Unless you dropped it in the toilet, in which case you need to get a new one. At any rate, if you want to learn more about the Internet and computers and things that interact with the Internet and computers, I highly recommend this great website. Really? What is it? HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it's fantastic. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? 
backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 